when Anilka was a part of that squad, he missed an open chance and he was so like lazy on the field. So after the game, Patrick Vieira slapped him with his dick. And with that, uh, we have the perfect <laughs> intro to our show. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Football a la Turca. My name is Kam Bazid, and I'm joined once again by Umut Nadri and Jakub Marufol. And we're back after a long time uh, to recap the 2020-2021 season. Um, and uh, that's uh, what we're going to do. And uh, you just heard a fantastic story from Umut. No! <laughs> uh, yeah, you totally did. I, I caught him by surprise. He did not know I was recording. Um, but, uh, yeah... That's a, that's a great now, little... Now everybody knows the true face of Umut. Now everyone knows what Umut is doing in his spare time. <laughs> <laughs> so so how, how are you guys doing, uh, Umut? What, what's up? Uh, any other stories apart from uh, Patrick Vieira's uh, genitalia? No. That's <laughs> all you can think about. <laughs> uh, what about you, Jakub? What's, what's going on with you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm... Uh... Living as far uh, as as much as I can, and um, I don't have a lot to complain about, so it's, it's good. That's always good. That's always good. Well, you know, let's uh, talk a little bit about football, then uh, let's uh, relieve the pressure a little from from our daily, uh, the, the the daily grind, and let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, this past season, which was absolutely uh, crazy. I think we can all agree on that. Um, our predictions did come true. Our last episode, uh, I asked you guys who's going to win the league. Uh, you all said, I think you all said Besiktas, um, and it, it it ended up uh, happening, but <laughs> I don't think quite as uh, as we had imagined, right? Uh, uh, Jakub, let's let's start with you. What's your um, what's your thoughts on the, the the grand finale of the season that we just witnessed in the last couple of weeks uh, that we watched unfold? Um, well, as a neutral fan, as a fan that didn't really have anything, uh, you know, at stake. It was it was really fun to watch. Um, it was it was good to see how um, how Fenerbahce bounced back after they fired uh, fired Errol Bolut, and it, it it felt like the team um, you know finally clicked for for the couple of games that I watched. Um, it was it was frustrating as uh, as I'm I'm kind of partial to Besiktas as always have been um, because a good friend of mine is for Besiktas, so I was deep inside I was rooting that rooting that they won. And it was so infuriating to watch the games um, where it felt like every week somebody new got injured and some of the new, uh, you know, uh, starting 11 players dropped off. And it was, it was kind of nerve-wracking. So I, I think it was for you, it was, it was really scary. And, um, of course, the, 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 the Fatih Terim effect, how um, even though I hate the guy with the passion, um, you can never count him out. And um, how how it really felt uh, watching the last game against uh, uh, Besiktas against Gustav that it felt like this is just you know they are going to let it slip away because Fatih Terim is probably mentally more um, more strong than uh, than Serian, but uh, you you guys did it so uh, it should be you should be really happy. And what about what about you, Umut? Did you think it would? Uh... Go. You know what? Before I let you speak, there's something I saw like a couple of months ago. There was this um, expected points prediction uh, that uh, was growing around in one of my WhatsApp groups, and it, it it predicted exactly exactly how this would end. It's yeah, it, there, 
there there is like a like a big company that always predicts yeah. uh, the like uh, how the games how, how the how the league will end and they were just like on point when it came to Turkey. Yeah, exactly. Which is really scary. They had Besiktas and Galatasaray on eighty four points, and they had Galatasaray on minus two goal differential, and that's exactly what happened because Galatasaray needed two well. It was minus one, but Galatasaray still needed an extra goal to overtake Besiktas because Besiktas had... I don't know if it was based on the fact that Besiktas had 10 goals scored more or that it was based on uh, the fact that Besiktas scored an away goal in uh, in, in their head-to-head. Um, but regardless, like Galatasaray still needed two goals, so that's really scary. And I, I'm not 100% sure if they got Fenner's points right. I think they might have had them at 79 instead of 82, 82. but... It's still like the fact that they predicted it is pretty crazy. But um, what, like when we last spoke, it was I think that was like right after what that was during the international break or right after the international break or something. I think still before the wave of injuries, Besiktas got. I think um, um, was it before they sacked Errol before Fenerbahce sacked Errol still I think as well so w- did you see it uh, unfolding the way it did did you think Galatasaray would actually still come back and get so close uh, the way I thought it would happen was the midway through the second half of the season I resembled the league to the tw- uh, 2003 season and I thought the uh, the thing will get untied in the Besiktas Galatasaray game at the end, and this time it will be a similar example of Sergen at the Championship Gelde incident, where Sergen Yalçın will beat Fatih Terim and lift the title in Turk Telekom Arena. But it didn't happen that way. Uh, like in a different manner, that game also uh, made us uh, like. Uh, get into the championship race once again and like uh, like lift whole Galatasaray hopes up uh, again uh, and give us a little bit of hope uh, until the final minute of the season but it didn't happen uh, for us but congratulations to the Besiktas and their fans uh, for lifting the trophy because uh, even though uh, I would say uh, Gasai dealt with some problems throughout the way whole season, uh, Besiktas deserved it by the way they played it, and they have still uh, similar problems uh, during the season as well. So I guess it would it was that way. He's baiting me right now by calling them mm-hmm. similar. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know. I, I mean, I will, I will get into that. No, but this, you, Galtzray definitely had their fair share of issues. But I think the 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 quote unquote luxury that Galtzray had is that they they did come at a certain point. They had a lot of injuries at the same time, but they still they were still kind of spread, and they still had squad depth enough to fill it up. For Besiktas, it it all came at the same moment exactly, and it's like like it was like a perfect storm where suddenly it seemed like the entire offensive line was was injured. Like, I, I, I counted it, and Besiktas have 10 offensive players, and after the international break, four of those were, um, like, full-time out injured, and then you also had Gökantöre and, and, and Kudu, who basically played the last stretch, like, I don't know, like, like, last six games or something, 
like basically injured and having to like against Galtry that match both Gukan and 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 Nkudu were on the pitch but both of them were not match fit they both had to you know play half injured basically and Ambitious had didn't have a single offensive sub on the bench like their most offensive sub was a left back Ridwan or Najib <laughs> defensive midfielder like they they legit didn't have a single offensive option on the bench like I I I don't I can't remember ever really seeing that before. Like, it, it, it felt so extreme. Um, and even the week after, like, the match after against uh, Fatikara Gumruk, they, they did... Mensa came back from injury and they had him on the bench. Um, and and that's, I guess that counts a little bit as an offensive sub. But again, like, you know, they were so uh, cut down. And uh, it's not just, you know, a player being injured and all that, but, like, also, the the player that was injured, like Abu Bakar, was so important for Besiktas. The first twenty five matches, or thirty matches, um, you know, really influential. Uh, he was at that point, I would say, together with Gazal, but even a little bit ahead on Gazal, I would say, the most important player in terms of his his share in the title. But then, as soon as 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 Abu Bakar got injured and basically missed the rest of the season. Uh, except for 28 or so minutes against Sivaspo, um, Gazal really stepped up and even took it to a whole other level. And 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 he, for me, undoubtedly, man of the season for Besiktas, just nobody that even comes close. Like Abubakar, if he would have stayed healthy, he would have gotten close. But the way it unfolded, Gazal, um, yeah, really like almost a Mario Gomez-like season for him. And uh, yeah, it's just a really, really strange season. Um I think for Besiktas fans, it probably would have been nicer if they would have run away with it. But at the same time, the finale we saw was so... Like, for me personally, it was just stress. Just I was dying from stress. Like, I've never felt that ridiculous. Because I now know how Fenerbahce fans feel when they go into the final match day, leading the table, and... Basically, being in a position of we have to win, and then it doesn't happen. Like you know how it happened for them twice already in history. I and I I can I can start to understand um, uh, Aziz Yildirim's uh, feelings uh, those last weeks in the 2010-2011 season, and you know whether something happened or not. If something happened, I kind of understand why it did because this is the most horrible feeling. I never want to have that again. I just want to if if I'd rather be completely out of the title race in match day 24 than ever have to experience this again because this was absolutely horrendous. Um, I mean, if you're at full strength, it's different, you know, because then you don't have to stress about that. And at least then you know at the end of the at the ride, you're like, ah, you know what? We gave it our best shot and we lost. But if you're like this extreme in terms of injuries and all that, and then it just feels like we had it and it just got like the gods grip picked it away, you know what I mean? So that... Uh, would have been extremely painful. That would have been a, a, a real trauma, and I, I, I can sympathize with Fenerbahce fans a little bit now. Even yeah, though it, it didn't it, happen. It does sound relatable, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I mean, I can, I can understand how... I mean, you guys had that last season, right, Burr? Before the whole corona thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, like you guys were... I mean, Galtzrai as well, like, yeah, I don't know if... I, I, my feeling last season was Trabzon were going to win it, but Galatasaray were also firing on all cylinders, so that was going to be interesting. But Bashakshir for me, was not even, wasn't even on my mind. Like, I didn't 
expect at all that they would win it. And then, and you know, after the Corona break, so to speak, both Trabzon and and, and Galatasaray looked so deflated and just couldn't I'm, pump themselves up anymore. I mean, the thing, the thing, uh, especially in Turkey, is that you have to win the mental battle. And um, mm-hmm. Trabzonspor has shown countless times that when it comes, you know, when when push comes to shove. They, uh, they, you know, they, they don't, uh, they don't, they don't, they don't pull through. You know, it, it happened back in uh, 2010, 2011. It happened last year where they start to lose points and start to look. Uh, you know, you know, the game uh, last year it was the game against Alanya where we conceded in like the 92nd minute. Uh, in 2010, 2011, we we drew against Kayserispor like three three, a game that we should have easily won. And you know, those are the games that. That make a season. It doesn't matter if you win against uh, against your traditional opponents, against the Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, Besiktas. Uh, the thing is, and when you're going for a championship, you have to win against those uh, who everybody thinks about. Like you will win anyway, you know. Yeah. yeah those yeah. are the games where where a lot of teams and a lot of players get complacent. And um, I thought it a little bit when I watched Besiktas against Göztepe. Um, I have I hadn't watched Besiktas in a long time, and to see them, it 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 really felt to me like they were all in panic mode because they they scored one, they yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, they kind of calmed down, and the moment they conceded, it was just like a full blown panic. And yeah. I switched back to Galstray, and Galstray just kept going and going and going and just piling up, and it was like I I, I truly believe that if if Besiktas didn't get a penalty. Galatasaray will just, you know, they would never score. Besiktas would have never scored because they mm. just kept, you know, yeah, playing yeah. the ball to the to, to the wings, it's crossing them. Nobody's there. Try again. Try again. Try again. And you saw that it, it was kind of a little bit of a desperation move every time. Yeah. And Fatih Terim, on the other hand, I absolutely despise him, but he just kept his guys just going and going, and you know. That's the difference between between being, uh, you know, being being the champion and being a title candidate is that you know you can you can have but like. It, 10, it also matters though that that they ha- they had no other choice. Like they, I mean, like for Galatasaray, they were chasing, and when yeah. you're chasing, it's easier to play without pressure because you don't have anything to lose. Besiktas had everything to lose. Yeah, yeah. You know, because of the position they were in. And uh, but I, I agree with you because that for me that was probably one of the worst games that Bishes have played. Like I, I against Kvati Karagumruk, the, the days bef- like a couple days before that, I I never got the sense that there was panic. Not not even at two one. Like at well, uh, nah, that's not true. At two one, you okay? At two one, there was like this oh fuck moment. But it's lo- uh, you know, like in that game. Um, Karagumruk took the lead and all that, but Besiktas just kept playing their game. And that's basically what I was really impressed with because, you know, after Besiktas dropped points against Ankara Gujo uh, in at a time, like that's like what you said with the Kayseri game and all that, um, those were the moments that you would expect, oh, this is a mental blow. And Besiktas bounced back from that really well. And Besiktas have continued to do that in these last weeks. Up until the moment, uh, up until these last three games, really, where, uh, you know, first the loss against Galatasaray, which, um, you know, can happen. I mean, it's Galatasaray at the end of the day, you're, you're away at Galatasaray. Um, the, the, uh, some unfortunate uh, things. The, the main thing there for me, because of the head-to-head, basically had the good head-to-head. And then it's a little painful that they score a 3-1 
just when you have such a ridiculous call by the linesman, like 30 seconds after that, it's a, it was a little painful. And if that would have ended up costing us the title, I would have <laughs> I would have been livid. Because, uh, but that's the thing. Like details tend to decide, uh, you know, championships. I oh, just second. Um, but yeah. So, uh, but up until that last match, I did not have the feeling that Bistich were ever without inspiration or without any ideas. But in, in the, the the game against Gustepe, they started well, scored after ten minutes, and then it was just like. It's really weird because you take the lead and you would expect, okay, now we're just going to try and keep the ball in the team and every and we, you know, just try and score another one and control the match. But they, they didn't. They just left the match completely to Gustepe. And in the second half, they did a lot better. But in the first half, after the 1-0, the Gustepe dominated. In the second half, I, I, I honestly don't think Gustepe even managed to get the ball across the middle line, despite the fact that Bistec wasn't creating anything really. Um, but I agree with what you said, that if it wasn't for the fact that they, they won a penalty, I don't think they would have scored. Well, it was still, of course, there was still like 20 plus minutes on the clock, but it's one of those things, like, you can have an hour on the clock still. Like, once those nerves start setting in and you start playing desperation football, it, it yeah, like, you can cross as many balls as you want, but you're probably not going to get that perfect perfect one. And even if you do, then... I mean, even against Karagumbrug, there was one of those moments at the end where Mensa on a corner got the ball and, and could have hit it in the goal, and you, you still get a chance, but, like, you know, it, it would have been really difficult, like you say. Oh, I'm sorry? No, nah, I'm just agreeing with you that it would have been oh. extremely difficult for Bistec to still find a goal uh, if it wasn't for that penalty. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you did you expect um, uh, did you expect Sergen to get you know to to be successful this quick you know uh, all in all he 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 had a two trophy season this quick with with Besiktas and I I know there was a point no, no, where everybody no. looked at him thinking like if this is is this the real is this the good decision is it the smart decision well because I. I said, I said, I said multiple times. I'm not a fan of uh, of club legends coming back as uh, as managers because they, uh, you know, they tend to ruin their uh, their their view. Uh, the, the player, uh, the the fans tend to ruin the view of the player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of the manager. Yeah. But like you know, Haji at Galatasaray, like he, he was never successful as a coach, and it, it it doesn't necessarily ruin the view, but it kind of besmirges the legacy yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I disagree about Haji because, like, even though he wasn't as successful at Turkey, like, he... Like, yeah, he's just successful in academy. Romania, but that doesn't matter to Galatasaray fans, right? Like, to the majority of Galatasaray fans. It matters to me, but, like, I don't know. The ignorant fans will say anything otherwise, but, like, building an academy in the Lewis uh, uh, League division in yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Romania, then coming to uh, the first division to compete to qualify for the Champions League and even qualifying than selling out their players for, uh, to whole big teams in the Europe like his son Yanis Haji first gone to Fiorentina then now he's in Rangers uh, and he, he didn't go to Fiorentina he came back from Fiorentina to play with him and then he, they sold him to Genk and Genk sold him to, no, he, to Rangers he, he went to Fiorentina came back then went to Genk then went to Rangers yeah, but he he went yeah he went to Fiorentina, but he never played 
like Haji wasn't in control yet. Was it Astra or what team is it called again? Um, and you also need to look at the the footballing landscape in 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 in, in Romania right now. Like uh, the status quo was completely upset there, right? Which saw basically there's like really weird things happening. Which saw um, and and just like yeah, that 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 footballing landscape is completely on its head. Um, yeah. Yeah, but that, uh, saying that the Haji is not even successful as a manager or as a president, it doesn't fit to me. It yeah, but that, that's like... not. I mean, that doesn't matter, right? You can be successful if, let's say, Zinedine Zidane. Let's say he he is successful. He would not have been. He would. He would. He doesn't. He doesn't win three Champions Leagues or whatever it is with with Real Madrid. He doesn't win anything with Real Madrid. He completely bombs as a coach and then he goes to Juventus and does well like that does not change the perceptive the uh, you know the, the the how people the view, how, the view yeah. that Real Madrid will say yeah. otherwise uh, whenever something happens like because uh, it's really hard to break the prejudices of people or like how they think uh, about but, because they uh, yeah but it's, it's 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 warranted though right like i mean like let's let's take Ertuğrul Salan as an example at Bursaspor, he's a legend because he won them the title. But with Besiktas, he's he's not because he didn't. You know, he didn't really do anything. Like Riza Chalambay, same as a coach for for Besiktas, didn't really manage to do anything. If you look what he's doing at Sivaspor right now, like I'm sure that at Sivaspor they perceive him, and, and I mean I personally rate him extremely highly and and all that. But like, but similar things happen to great coaches as well. Vicente Del Bosque came here, Jan Tigona came here, or like. Mancini came here. Yeah, but it's not the Frank same Ray thing. Frank came here. Yeah, but yeah, they're but not. The, but the big difference is that yeah. um, you know a lot of people have either have have either seen Haji play or have seen Sergen play or Emre play, and they have a view of them being successful with the team. You know, uh, when when you think about Agasraya, Fenerbahce, Besiktas, you know, a Haji, uh, an, an Emre Belezol, and a Sergin Sergin will will come up as a as a positive thing, you know. And what I meant was, um, generally, when when those people come back, um, they either do well or don't. But when they don't do well, people always, you know, they 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 have like a negative negative connotation about them, you know, just because of that one season. It doesn't matter yeah. that uh, they maybe uh, you know were successful in other ways. But that's that's why I'm not generally a fan. We saw. I saw Trabzonspor had like five years, where they sacked one manager and brought another ex ex player back, and it it just never went okay. We had we had Shota, we had Hame, we had Tolunay, You know, all those you know. all those were uh, yeah. But you know, you know, did well. Hussein did well, but all those other players, uh, they didn't they didn't do well. And everybody, even though uh, a lot of people still love them. It it still brings like a sour sour taste to your mouth when you think about Tolonai or when you think about yes, Ahmed, but, you know? uh, most of the time it's like uh, uh, on one side the player uh, thinks that that he owes the club uh, in their desperate times, yeah. like he has to help them. But uh, on the other hand, he also wants to be successful. Like, uh, but sometimes it doesn't happen because. When he gets in that situation, uh, when the club is in a crisis or whatsoever, like he couldn't find any other manager than him, uh, he's there to help them in their desperate times. But the fans still expect him to lift a trophy or like being successful from him, like yeah. uh, uh, regardless of the situation the club's in. So 
I don't believe that Hami or like uh, Shota were like too uh, like bad in their situations because Trabzon wasn't in their top form uh, as a club when they came in. Not yeah. like how Beşiktaş uh, were right now, like uh, when they have Sergen. Whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa! What? What? Sorry, you, you, Beşiktaş in top form when Sergen came. What are you talking about? No, like uh, as a club, Trabzonspor is different. You know, uh, like uh, most of the time they aren't like the title candidate. But like uh, even though they're not the title candidates, the fans always want to uh, see a. Success story from the yeah. ex players or ex yeah, uh, yeah. managers. Yeah, but, yeah, but like, I mean, it's not the thing in Besiktas though. Like Besiktas is more of a title title candidate compared to Trabzonspor. Like there, uh, it generally means yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but like, did you when Sergen? I mean, you 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 both know my opinion on Sergen before he came. Like I've been following his career as a coach very closely. Ever yes. you know, I've I've, I've been, watched him really closely i have disagreed with people who said oh he just signs with a club and leaves after a few months blah 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 he can't stick around anywhere and i've disagreed with those people because i've i i they they, they're just looking from the outside like they just see it peripherally they they don't pay attention and then they just make a judgment based on that and i've disagreed with those people and i have been of the opinion that he can be successful at bishop but at the same time I did not see Besiktas winning the title in the next couple of years. Like, f- for me, I've been telling my friends, guys, next five years, we're not going to win shit. It's just not going to happen. Just because of the financial situation the club is in, you know? I did not expect this whatsoever. Did I... Was I what, what was I hoping for when Sergen came was good football. I got that last season. When Abdullah Avci was um, at, the co- at the club, I... And it was not just that, it was also corona and all that but i lost interest one i mean i lost so much interest i just didn't want to watch anymore it's just it was depressing and it's not because you're losing or dropping points all the time it's just the football you're playing which is absolutely horrendous and just the feeling that that you're watching your club that you love die that's the feeling i had last season especially on top of that with the corona no fans and all that stuff and basic and say again brought joy back for me and that was the most important thing like i did not care if we would play for the title i did like starting the season i had no expectations whatsoever that we were gonna play for the Can title something? yeah go ahead sir yeah that's that's what we're here different for. from the case where like we mentioned hami mandrilli or tolnai kafkas uh coming to travel sport in a uh, depressed moment of the club uh sargan came as a successful coach to be like uh, promoted as a Beşiktaş manager to earn that place. He wasn't like asked to come here to solve an issue like a club is in a bad position. Can you handle this? He earned mm. that place. Yeah, yeah, Unlike but he was. Hami or like uh, other uh, ex-players of that club coming to the position, like how Haji came to Galatasaray or how Bülent Korkmaz came to Galatasaray at the time. Yeah, but he can't. He did come in to solve the solve a crisis. Bishtesh yeah, or... but he earned that place. Like both Hami or uh, Bülent Korkmaz didn't do anything in their past management careers. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, 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 yeah. Something like Sergen. Yeah. Well, Because actually, yeah, I... was, they were never qualified as Sergen. Sergen yeah, yeah. did brilliant in the in his careers in uh, Yeni Malatyaspor or yeah. Alanyaspor. He earned that place. Yeah, I was actually likening him to. Um... 
what's his face? Uh, Yilmaz Vural, the new Yilmaz Vural. Like Yilmaz Vural has, it feels like he has he, like for in the previous, let's say not the last five years, but the previous fifteen years or twenty years before that, it feels like every time when a club is in need of of saving, they bring in Yilmaz Vural. And the last couple of years, I had the feeling that Sergen was kind of cast in that role. Like, oh, we're you know Gaziantep had it. Like, oh, we're in we're in trouble. Let's bring Sergen in instead of Yilmaz Vural. And that was kind of the the role he was doing. But that and, and at first, I. Like when I was initially, you know, paying attention to Sergen and all that. Like initially, it seemed that he was getting typecast a little bit in that. But then he got jobs at um, at at, at Alanya Spor and then after in Malatya Spor, and he he put something down. He let them play really good football, which I really like. Like especially the football he played with Alanya Spor, they were playing some of the best football in the league, if not the best. Um, and and that's something I really liked, and that's why I was really hopeful for Sergen because I knew that he could do something with, not necessarily because Alanya Spor had really had a really good squad, but he could do something with a budget. Like it's not because you are on a budget that you can't have a good squad. I mean, look at Besiktas this season. Like this is a budget squad, but you can have good players in it, um, and that's why I was hopeful for him to at least do well. And and then with do well, I don't mean challenge for the title, win the title, but, like, make it really difficult for Galatasaray Fenerbahce and, you know, like, and, 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 and you know, put, be a, a stubborn team, a difficult team to beat. Yeah, and I, I, I think he did well, but, um, you know, the thing I had in my, in, in the back of my mind is, I spoke, uh, I, I spoke on Reddit with, uh, with, with a Fenerbahce fan a couple of days ago, I think now, and, um, we were talking about how Errol Blut is now... Um, he's at Gaziantep, isn't he? He's, he's yeah, yeah, he just them. got presented today, I think, actually, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and he was talking about... Um, some some other guy made a, made, made a, um, like a joke about how he is clearly better than... Um, you know, clearly better than uh, than Emre Belezolo. And, and the Fenerbahce fan defended, uh, defended uh, Emre Belezolo and said that he was the better coach. And... You know that kind of uh, annoyed me because uh, because as I said, people tend to have like a romantic uh, romantic vision of ex players when they do well, and um, obviously uh, Fenerbahce was in need of a change with uh, with 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 Errol Blut, mm-hmm. and um, it was it was it was a good decision looking back that uh, that my maybe bringing a player like uh, like Emre Belozolo was just you know the change they needed, but to immediately declare. Uh, a guy that yeah, yeah, doesn't really have a UEFA, uh, yeah. you know, license, and is just, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, just coached the team for ten games better than like, yeah. a, 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 you know, a manager like. Uh, I mean, you like know, Bullets, better is, just... is a relative term, right? Because if you look at the fixture they had as well, like, Fener had the easiest fixture. You know, after they played Besiktas, like they had a pretty easy fixture. Like their hardest match was Sivaspor, I think, and Elania Spor. That was their only two tests, and they failed them both. Like the other games they had, they played relegation team, and uh, you know, of course, you know, like like Bishtas dropped points against Angreguju, so uh, you know that's that's. But on but those are teams that they should beat, like yeah. whether they are fighting relegation or not. Like these last ten games that that Emre was in in charge, they had two tests and they failed both of them. So yeah, like it's a very small sample, and people are not really high on Emre right now. And I'm all for giving him next season and giving him the chance. I think that's probably the right decision for them to make. Also, if you look at the coaching landscape in Turkey right now, there's not really anyone that you can point to and say, "Oh, that's 
that makes sense. Like, if they're going to do something, it's going to be a foreigner. And if it's going to yeah. be a foreigner, it's nine times out of ten, it's not going to work out. Not because it's a foreigner, but just simply because of the difficulties working in Turkey right now. Like, being... Because uh, Fenerbahce spent, spends a lot of money, still, but they do it on certain players. Like, they they have to get certain players, like Lemos, for example. I, I mean... The money that Ali Koch spent in the summer, like the the legit money he spent, not the money that they report. Yeah. Like, you should be able to put together a championship team with that. But he is forced to go after certain players that play for clubs that are willing to take money under the table and not report it officially. And not every club is willing to do that. And that's where the difficulties come. And that's, of course, you know, the restrictions they have with, with financial fair play. Like, if there was no UEFA financial fair play and all that, Fenerbahce would, regardless of the 600-something million euros debt they have, Ali Koch would just be pumping money in the club, buying 15 million players and, and not making a big deal. I mean, then it wouldn't be a problem, you know, because he would be paying it out of pocket. That's not allowed anymore. That's what he did with Musa So, and, 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 and I think he also helped out with Daniel Guiza and stuff like that, like over a decade ago. So he'd be doing that right now if he could, but he can't. Um, and then it, then you can bring in a Joachim Lowe and give him a, a really good squad, and he would probably win the title you know, with ease because the other clubs can't compete with that. But because of the, the, the financial landscape of football right now and the way it's all structured, they can't really do that. So bringing in a foreign coach right now is a mistake, in my opinion. I think sticking with Emre Belozolo would make sense. But to declare, like you say, that Emre, Bolo, Emre Belozolo is definitively a better coach than Errol Bulut, you can't say that after 10 matches. It's just impossible. Like It's still a shock effect and all that going on at Fenerbahce, the players, uh, you know, and... and, and Really, all they needed was motivation and maybe the lineup to be changed a little bit, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's obviously not as easy as as, as, as football manager or anything. That, um, you know, managing a team and having all the issues with it and, you know, keeping all the players happy and this and that. But I don't, you know, I, 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 I do think that Fenerbahce or Besiktas or, or Galstray as a team, uh, and Trabzons for maybe in, in you know in, in a smaller context are teams that should be able to play without a manager. They should have players of the quality that you know that that could win uh, easily yeah. or you know yeah like Chelsea without, in two thousand and twelve basically when they won the yeah, Champions you, League like you, you they just, coached themselves. Just put them in. Yeah, you just put them in and they 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 work. But to bring you know maybe it's just maybe it's just me. I I'm not, I'm not a fan. You know I I think that. Does does Emre have a big future or bright future? Probably might have. Uh, you know, he he has all the resources to 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 chart out his own uh, his own future and should be able to do uh, as he as he pleases. But I don't think that a team as Fenerbahce that is so hungry for you know a, a trophy or a championship for years now is uh, it's a smart decision. You know, it it isn't a smart decision to put in that much money and to give it to an inexperienced coach like uh, you know like Emre. I think that mm. if, if, if coaches really... But that's what they did with Errol as well, right? Because Errol, I mean, Errol wasn't really a big... Had, didn't really have that much experience. But that's... I mean, if you look at, at look at Ajax, for example, like, they do that. They gave Frank de Boer when he came from, from the, the, the youth team. They gave him the ropes. And 
that's what they tried at PSV with Mark van Bommel and all that. But that's like what a lot of clubs do that, and it works. But I guess those clubs, it's different because they're not under the same financial restraints and all that. But I mean, who would you bring in realistically if you were Fenerbahce right now? Yeah, that that's a different. Uh, um, um, that's that, that's a hard choice because um, there isn't there isn't a lot, you know. Probably, you know, coaches that seems prom coaches that seem promising at the moment are you know coaches like Chada Shatan. But even for 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 a coach as him, I think that you know having 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 an experience of two seasons or something uh, in in the Super League as a coach, it's it's too quick for a team. Uh, of of uh, of Fenerbahce's stature, you know, so it probably should have been or would have been uh, a foreigner, a foreign coach, and see, I have honestly no idea who's at the moment. It it, it kind of looks that maybe they might let Kuman go, so you know, uh, Ali Koch can maybe make a big signing about him. But yeah, but what happened last time they brought in a Dutch coach, right? Like yeah, but you, you can't you can't you know you can't compare uh, Koku against uh, against Kuman. Come on, we all know that. I mean, he won trophies, you know. At the yeah, end of the day, if you bring in Kuman and you don't give him the players, then what's gonna change? Yeah, like uh, I I don't like. I don't think that Ali Koch is, does himself any favors either because he puts so much pressure on winning the title because of all the transfers he brings in. Like, there's no patience. Like, when he first came, it was all about we're going to invest in youth and all that and we're going to, you know, be professional and blah, and blah, and blah. And the first thing you... I mean, obviously, these are rumors, but the first thing you hear as soon as the season is over is Fenerbahce talking with Lucas Biglia. Like, like what? Like seriously? Don't you already have first and foremost? Don't you already have enough players in the middle of the park? And then, don't you already have enough thirty-five-year-olds? Yeah, like, they're letting they're letting Sosa go. It doesn't matter if they let so like they can they let Sosa go. They have a two-year contract with Sosa. He's earning three and a half million a year. <laughs> you can't just let him go. You have to pay him off. Yeah, you know, and and even I mean I think. Sosa played his best matches for Fenerbahce these last couple of weeks with Emre. Yeah, in the second half, he was much better than the first yeah. half. He, he looked absolutely horrible the first couple of games. Yeah, but like, Fener, like, this season, pressure was massive. Last season, pressure was massive for them to win the title. This season, it was even bigger. Because, like, all the, 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 the signings they did last season, they, they got fed up and all that. This season, I mean, even with Mesut, and, like, did Mesut. Did he get? I think he got an assist, right? Against, yeah, he got uh, one. He got one assist, right? Against uh, Papi Cisse's assist uh, against uh, Kaiseri, I guess, on the last match day. So he played ten matches or something and got one assist. Like, obviously, uh, next season he could uh, get twenty assists and fifteen goals. It's gonna all happen still. But like, you put so much pressure on yourself on the club to to win the title like nothing else is good enough if you bring these players you need to win the title like if you bring Mesut Özil you have to win the championship it's the same thing with Galatasaray with Falcao if you bring Falcao you need to win the you need to win the championship there's n second place will never be good enough you need to win the title you put so much pressure on yourself i i don't i don't understand 
why? Like, you can go for a guy like Pelkas instead. Look how good Pelkas did for Fenerbahce. Like, those types of signings are make so much more sense, and it does not put... An unfair, it doesn't put unfair expectations on you from the fans, and you actually probably have a better chance of actually winning something because these guys are still hungry. And I'm not saying that Mesut Ozil isn't going to be hungry for 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 a title with Fenerbahce. Obviously, he's a Fener fan and all that, and he's going to want to do well. But like all the other thirty-something-year-olds they bring in, like yeah, and like look at Samata, they, he was a flop this season, they're forced to buy him, that's 6 million down the drain straight away, like that's already 6 million out of their budget for next season gone, so now they have to try and sell him. Um, yeah, uh, Umut, any, any, anything to add here? Because we've been talking for a while, uh, mainly me. <laughs> well, no. Mm, well, I can just say, like, uh, Fenerbahce had a bad transfer policy throughout the a few years, you know, because yeah. they considered, uh, like, uh, how you say it, uh, stealing uh, other rivals' players. But they're still their... doing that, eh? because Bishnes yeah, like, are really would... close to signing Sali Uchan yeah, right now, yeah, but Fenerbahce say... are still in talks with him. Like, they're yeah, trying would... to convince him to go to them. And why? <laughs> like, do they need another central midfielder? Uh, they just... See... Seeing this as a success uh, or an achievement as a club uh, drove them into this way. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. Not, never a transfer policy yeah. to like uh, handle an mm-hmm. issue like this. Like, you can't, you have to have your own scouting, you have own own needs as a club. As a you don't manager. even need to scout. You don't even need to scout. Like, for the, the transfer. The, th- the type of transferring that Fenerbahce does, you barely need to scout. Because all the players they sign are, are known players. Like, except for no, no, it, Salah. Uh, in this case, we, we don't mm-hmm. uh, see scouting as a, like, uh, like discovering an unknown player. Like, yeah. uh, scouting, me, like, in this case, we can call it like uh, founding the needs of the squad. Yeah, to, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, just put a, a direct... Mm-hmm. Play in that spot. How long which... was uh, Alex? How long was he at Fenerbahce? He joined him in two thousand four. Four, and he like yeah. seven and, years? and he left in two thousand twelve. No, uh, thirteen. Thirteen. So two thousand four. Thirteen so, or fourteen. Yeah. So na- let's say he was there nine years. Yeah. He, w- he won three championships. It's yeah. The, it's in modern history the biggest Fenerbahce legend there is. Like you can talk about Lefter and all that, but nobody, can, nobody, and nobody who listens to podcasts. Like, if you're listening to this and you're like, "Oh, Lefter was bigger," you never fucking watched Lefter, and don't tell me you did. So, <laughs> the biggest yeah. legend Fenerbahce have is Alex de Souza. He won three championships in almost a decade. Like, and the re- the main reason I was talking to my friends about this earlier. The main reason for that, in my opinion, and I think in Umut's opinion as well, is just because of their transfer policy, of their politics. Like they. Focus more on what Besiktas and Galatasaray are doing than doing their own thing. Like, oh, Galatasaray want to sign Miroslav Stok? Let's swoop in. Oh, Besiktas want to sign Mehmet Topus? Who we already have Alex in that position for? Oh, let's spend 9 million euros. 
Yeah, but like uh, some kind of that transfer policy happened like uh, in uh, the earlier decades as well. Like yep. how Van Dilman went to Galatasaray at first, but then. Uh, stolen by Fenerbahce. Yeah, but yeah. you know, there's a picture of Ridvan Dijk. Yeah, but it's like things like the like, outside jersey as well. Yeah, yeah, but like Anderlecht, Anderlecht used to do this all the time in Belgium back in the day. But they realized 20 years ago you can't do that anymore. It's not sustainable in today's yeah. football economy. It's not possible. Like yeah. even Barcelona wouldn't be able to do that anymore. Like you can't just go and pick up and and if there's a the, 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 given the landscape in Turkish football. You can't be Fenerbahce and go and take all the good players from all the other clubs and just store them, basically. Not even not even because you need them. You can't do it. You can't kill the competition that way. It's not possible. You're only harming yourself. Fenerbahce are in the financial position, the bad financial position they're in right now because of that. And the worst thing for them is they're still trying to do it. They are still trying to do it. And they're... like. I cannot understand how such a big club, the the most successful club in in, in at least in Turkish football history, uh, arguably, I, I know Umut will be uh, will be arguing with that, but I don't understand how they haven't they 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 should know by now this is not the way, and they're still doing it. They haven't won a title in eight years or something, and they are still doing the same mistakes they were doing. And this is turning into a Bash Fenner podcast, but like... <laughs> that's I mean, what we, happens when Burak isn't here. Yeah, that's what happens when Burak isn't here. Exactly. I mean, no, but like... I almost I, just, I almost find it frustrating. Almost, almost. I think that I think that a lot of decisions at 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 Fenerbahce are made are are made you know emotionally when you when you see your direct rivals you know when you see Galatasaray uh, win championships back to back you know perform well in uh, in Europe that one season and Bishkas you know win and win and win then you get a little bit you know a little bit panicky and you just need to do something to 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 push yourself into the same contention you know. And that's what happens when you see then when you then watch Besiktas and you see that Roger is playing well and you're thinking, mm, let me get that guy even though I just you know bought a left back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right but back. I never played him. I played Janet Erkin like 900 minutes uh, a game. Or when you see Abu Bakr, even though his knees are taped together with like scotch tape, you you try to go for him even though you bought like three strikers. Then it's easy, you know, because you can you can kind of convince yourself that a player that has been proven in the league. Might be the same for you, but it's just lazy. You know, I I I always complain about it. I have complained about it numerous yeah. times. I just think that, you know, and, and like, it's it's okay to look at look at your opponents in the league and maybe try to go for a player of theirs. But if you go for a player of yeah. theirs, knowing full and well that you're probably not gonna play him, what's the point? You know, well, which which point? are the if we look at the last twenty years, which are the best transfers Fenerbahce have made? Uh, Alex, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I quite like Hoyong. Um, Lugano. Lugano. Carlos was okay. Yeah. Casman um, Luci- was horrible. Yeah. Luci- uh, Luciano. Luciano uh, was really good. Volkan, undoubtedly, was really good. I mean, yeah. David was okay. Yeah. Mert Nobel, I mean, good. You know, you know the you know the thing with Fener is that you can you can like. Um, you can take their best transfers, and it's 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 almost always like the the same six guys or something because 
uh, for the rest, they have been quite mediocre for a team of their yeah, stature. But the, Tumer was a good transfer. I'm, uh, but that was that. You know what? The difference is like Tumer was 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 a uh, to was in a way to screw with Besiktas, but it was a player that they could actually use. And it was a really good quality player, so that was a, that was not a bad move. It's not. I'm not saying you can't go after former players from your right. Look, look, Besiktas this season, like Joseph, just like, like Joseph de Souza, for example. Like he was really important for Besiktas this season, and Gokan and, and Janner the last couple of years had been important as well. Like you can, of course, go. For players that played for your club in the past, but they have to fill a need, like you say. Like if you already have four strikers signed, maybe you shouldn't try to go for a fifth, you know. And and like mainly, like Irfan Jan. Like okay, is Irfan Jan a bad signing? Of course not. But let's be honest. If Galatasaray didn't go for him in in January, Fenerbahce wouldn't have gone for him either. No. Like they would not have paid eight or ten or whatever it is they ended up paying for him. They wouldn't have. Like, the only reason they did it was to prevent Galtzrai from getting him. Fenerbahce already had plenty of central midfielders. Now, I'm not saying that it's not... A, I mean, for me, it's a much better signing than half, like most of the players they, they ended up signing for central mid. Because most of the players they ended up signing are, are in their 30s. Or already have signed or whatever. So, Irfan is definitely, Irfan Can is definitely a good signing, but... Like it's all reactionary. Their 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 transfer politics are are, are reactionary. Like even even Ferdi Cadiolo. Like they 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 went for him because Bistec was going for him, you know. And that's that was a good signing. But like, why aren't they giving him more opportunities? Like this is a player that they could actually that could be really successful for them. Could be a great player, and they could sell at a massive profit. All he gets is some appearances from the bench. Yeah, the, the talent is quite clearly there. I, I he's he's like uh, my my favorite player um, at uh, you know at Fenerbahce in a clear margin. You know he, he he's so good, and I I still should have would have wanted him to play for Trabzonspor or at least the Turkish national team. Come on, make a choice. But <laughs> you know why? You know if if you look at him, there there. Why should a player uh, that is young and that's talented go to Fenerbahce if, if you just can't play uh, because you have like a 34-year-old, 35-year-old Sosa in front of you? Um, you know, you have a Gustavo. Okay, they are, all, they are all great players, but, you know, at least loan them out or something because it just doesn't make any sense. And obviously, this isn't only a Fenerbahce problem. Every team does have it. Every, every big team uh, tends to buy players that they just don't use after a while yeah, yeah, yeah but sure. you know if it if it happens so many times that people will always point to your club as oh that's what they do then it's then it's just quite you know a, a big problem you know yeah like 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 tottenham and inter milan have that had that reputation in the past um and yeah fenner definitely have it as well and you know you can you can sign players and if you give them chances and they don't make it fine you know but don't hoard talent and then not use it yeah. Like you're just wasting careers, and um, I mean, we're, I, I don't think any of the Turkish clubs are in positions where I, I don't think you, as as a Fenerbahce, as a Bishop, as a Galatasaray, as a Trabzonspor, you can't really afford to sign a really talented player, and who actually shows his talent on the pitch as well, and then just 
you know, not pull the trigger. Like, you have to pull the trigger. You have to give some faith. Like, it's the same with Aydin Hasic at Besiktas, for example. Like, he was getting some opportunities, and then, unfortunately, he got a really bad knee injury. And he, really unfortunate, because he probably would have actually played a lot these last weeks. Um, but, like, he was not getting a massive amount of opportunities either. But at least it was kind of... A, it was, for him, it was his first season. I can understand, you know, you gradually built that up. But... Ferdi's been there for two years now. Like, he should... Like, the things he showed last year, he should have been getting more minutes out of that. And he just isn't. Like, I, I, I don't see why he can't play when, you know... When, when, when Pelkas and all that play. Like, play, Pelkas is a great player, don't get me wrong, but I think Ferdi, Ferdi is better in potential. Yeah. It, yeah. And, like, Pelkas is another example, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, of, of a reactionary transfer kind of, like, they, they, I, didn't he play against Besiktas in, uh, in the Champions League qualifiers? With Paul, probably. Yeah, I think they might have. But, like, one of the transfers I really like for Fenerbahce this season is actually Zalai. He is really good, and he's... One of those players that was completely, like, that was out of left field, had nothing to do with any other rivals. It's just a great, solid transfer. Like, that's the type of players they should be going for. And I, I get you go for Sosa. You know, he's been successful at Besiktas, did really well at Trabzonspor. I kind of understand it. And I get that you signed Filip Novak as well, given how good he was for, for Trabzon. But what I don't get is how you lure them away with ridiculous amounts of money like that's just not like you have to, that's not the, that's not possible anymore you shouldn't be doing that anymore like how do you ever expect like if Ali Koch leaves tomorrow like there's such a mess left behind and then you have to get another billionaire to become president because otherwise the club is fucked Yeah, Adrian is waiting, so <laughs> they they will always. End that up that is that true. Point. That is true. You know, Istanbul has a lot of a lot of rich people ready to take over any club. So, I mean, you say that, but I didn't see anyone uh, biting at the bits to take over uh, from Fikret Oman when he left. Yeah, but you know, if 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 you they, they you know teams teams in Istanbul always bounce back. There's no way they 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 fall down and keep keep falling down. There's no way. Uh, people not keep, not 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 in the current day. People keep saying that, but one of these days is gonna happen. One of these days is gonna happen. But the same thing can be said about Trabzonspor, right? Like, you know, they're, they're they are being kept up. Um, like. It's it's the same like those those clubs, but it, it, the the problem is that they they get so much help that they just keep repeating the same pattern over and over and over. Like we how many like we've been doing this podcast for what two years or something? We've I think we've said multiple times already. Like wow, well, now it has to change. You can't sign uh, Falcaos anymore now. And then Galtzari go out and sign Falcao. And then in the summer, we're like, oh, you, you can't do this anymore. You can't make these Bomba transfers anymore. And look what Federer did. They, they signed Mesut Özil. Like, it just keeps happening. And probably Besiktas will be the, ne the next with, uh, with I don't know, Diego Forlan out of retirement or something. Yeah. You know, like, it just they just keep doing it. Like, and that's my, for, as a Besiktas fan, that's my biggest hope now is that 
um, that Ahmed Nurchebi doesn't uh, have this, oh, we're playing Champions League, we need to sign players for the Champions League. Because the thing is, what I don't understand is the Turkish mentality of we're going to the Champions League, so we need to sign players for the Champions League. No, you don't. You don't do that because next year might not be in the Champions League. What you need to do is use that Champions League and tell talented younger players, hey, you want to play Champions League football at a high, at a good level? You want to showcase yourself? You want a good opportunity? Come here. We have Champions League football. That's that's how you use Champions League. You don't use Champions League to bring Pepe. You don't use Champions League to bring Falcao. You don't use Champions League to bring these big names that these are over-the-hill players. Like, okay, Pepe is still <laughs> amazing at Porto. But you know what I mean. Like it, That's not the intention of... That, that, you're not supposed to sign these players to do well in the Champions League. You're supposed to s- use the platform of the Champions League to attract good players that you can develop and then sell at a profit and become, you know, solvable, become financially healthy again, if, if that's even possible in the Turkish uh, economy right now. Do you agree, Umut, or do you think you should keep signing uh, Falcaos? No, always uh, was against this, this yeah, kind I know, of I know, yeah, policy. I know. And uh they do it because they're in a high demand of, from the fans uh, i just remember how gossip fans were whining to the presidency about signing because in one situation abdurrahim al-bayrak just uh said uh, that they're, yeah. they're in talks with falcao mm-hmm. and afterwards the fans were just it was just blown up. The fans were mm-hmm. demanding, sign us Falcao, sign us yeah. Falcao, regardless of his age, regardless of how, how he formed, mm-hmm. or how he's like, performing in his former team, or like how uh, his play style would fit to Galatasaray. Like, they, these were pretty irrelevant uh, as soon as they mentioned the name of Falcao. Yeah. And uh, all the things uh, went sideways up because, like, they just don't learn from the mistakes from their rivals, like uh, how uh, Juan Percy or like how Diego Ribas, how I don't know Hugo Almeida, uh, or like how Timao turned out. Gucci I like, I liked out Hugo and... Almeida. <laughs> you like Hugo I, Almeida? I liked him. Yeah, yeah, I liked him. Uh, and like how I don't know. Uh, Biggest problem with him was he couldn't stay. If he 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 got Cardoso was... turned out like. Well, Cardoso did well as well, but, you know... Even, though, did well, even, yeah. even like, how good they perform, they don't, don't compensate how much you pay for him yeah, yeah. in advance. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, Mario they, Gomez, but they, that's, like, a rarity. Yeah. It doesn't happen they, too often. Mario Cuaresma? Mario, Mario Gomez. Gomez. Mario Gomez. Like, he's, he's the one guy that you can say, okay, he did pay off. Like, the money invested in him was worth it. You know, he ended up... He was three and a half million a year, but he got like a three million bonus for the championship or something. But I mean... Yeah, but, but if, if if that player is an ideological player, like, like you know, like big, big-minded big player like Haji or like how Mario Gomez or like, I don't know, talk about uh, Alex, Alex yeah. Yeah, kind of players, uh, they will compensate it as a 
a big achievement to the club how will they win the league or like uh, uh, well yeah. uh, carry the team in a, a big spot in the european championships uh, i don't know like these are like uh, legends but they just come over to the team uh, like one in a million so yeah, yeah these uh, are two rare occasions so yeah. you have to you have to you have to like find them really like you have to search for them like you just don't have to go with the minds of the fans because they don't have any scouting they don't they just uh tell their ideas about players just by how uh, seeing from them uh, from the compilations of yeah, yeah, youtube yeah, yeah. videos or like <laughs> from the news or like just uh, yeah. searching through transfer market statistics yeah, yeah. watching videos from, from how, from they, how they play from the game yeah. like And how they know, played like, five years ago, how, how many goals yeah. they scored five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, true. This is uh, like, uh, and also like, uh, I don't know, the presidency sucks in, in God's right on Fenerbahce as well. Like, uh, they don't have any ideologies on their own. That they So, uh, as the fans demand, they just do it. Like, mm. uh, I don't know, like, Yeah, populism, you know. But that's yeah, also, populism. I think, I think also like as uh, Jakub said that um, Fenerbahce make emotional decisions when they make transfers, and I, I don't know if they necessarily make emotional decisions. I think it's just trying to cater to the fan base and do what the fan because Fenerbahce fans love that Fenerbahce hijacks transfers. They love it. Like they don't. I. I I'm sure there's Fenerbahce fans who see that that's a bad transfer policy. But like ninety percent of them, like the idiots on Twitter, no offense. If you feel that I'm talking to you, then you're probably an idiot. So that's actually, you know, offense intended. Uh, if you don't feel like I'm not talking about to all the Fenerbahce fans, I'm just talking to the idiots. And there's plenty of Besiktas and Galatasaray and, and Trabzonspor idiots as well. Like I'm just talking, you know, about those people that like that stuff. And I mean, you can you be can be a perfectly rational person and kind of get a kick out of it still. That's fine. But as long as you know in in the back of your head that this is not how my club should be conducting transfers. This is not this should not be their main driving force when looking at new players. As long as you realize that, it's fine. But if you're one of those people that are like, "Oh yeah, I'm so happy we signed player number 12." Instead of Galtzray, just to fuck with them, then you're a fucking moron, and you have, you, you know, then you don't understand the game. Sorry, um, but anyway, like, I think this is just catering to those people, like the the vocal quote unquote minority, as they say, you know, like the the loudest people on social media and all that. The thing is, though, like 15 years ago, there wasn't any social media, so who were they catering to then? I guess just you know, like. I, I don't I don't understand that like I I get that this was a a, a, a a politic that actually worked in the 80s and and to a certain extent in the 90s but it's just in modern football unless you're like Bayern Munich and even Bayern like they don't buy all the good players in the Bundesliga they just buy the good ones they want and they need like they don't buy Robert Lewandowski to fuck with Dortmund. No, they buy Robert Lewandowski because they see in him a better version of Mario Gomez or Mario Mandzukic. They see an upgrade, so they take it. And they can, because they're Bayern Munich. But they don't sign just anyone. 
just to 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 destabilize their competition. Like if they sign someone, like Mario Götze, for example, they fully intend to utilize him. Now Mario Götze didn't work out. That happens, but they didn't just sign him just to sign him, and that's the difference. And it can still work, but you need to be financially healthy for it to work, and that's just not the case in Turkish football. But let's get off that horse now, unless you have something to add, guys. But um, yeah, um, we rambled quite a bit about mainly Fenerbahce's transfer politics. <laughs> but what, what? Let's 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 go to Trabzon Sport. Let's, uh, Jakub. Let's. Get your thoughts on the season, how it went, how you think, uh, were you happy ultimately with how the season has gone and how are you looking towards next season? Well, um, you know, to say that I was happy is probably, yeah, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You know, I, I think that what, what Trabzonspor achieved this year is, is kind of the maximum after, you know, such a horrible start. Um, I do still think that maybe, you know, it, Eddie Newton could have been better, but, you know, Optologia is proving proving otherwise, you know, with, with, with what he did. But, you know, the team was pretty, the team was pretty mediocre at times. And, um, you know, as a, a former Optologia team, uh, team fan, that uh, he brings a, he brings a style of football to the team that, isn't isn't the best to watch it it's quite infuriating at times because um you know you can pretty much bet your house bet bet everything that a game will end one nil or one one and maybe two nil or two one mm-hmm. because yeah, you if just, you can you implement know, his system then at least but that's the thing like he tried it at Besiktas, he failed gave up on it and that's when i started getting depressed about him. Like, as long as he was trying to implement his vision, I I was fine. Like, I, in fact, I really liked... We had this one half against the Sport. I loved the way we were playing. But then it didn't work. The pressure got a little bit to him, and he just reverted back to Chanel Gunesh ball with Quaresma crossing and Inshallah. Yeah. And and then then I started losing complete faith. Like, I then mean, was, it was over for me. He was he was quite good, you know. He he, he did what he had to do. He he, he really reformed the team uh, into a team that had confidence on the ball. Uh, we of, we obviously were lucky that we were able to sign a player like Pacasetas for for peanuts, considered uh, as what he's worth. And him coming into the team has he really changed the dynamic going forward. You know, with with how uh, with how with how much of a threat he is for the opponents, he is able to. You know, pass the ball easily. He's always in a good position to score, and that really helped open up our our, our lacking attack. You know, with with all the players being being injured and players like Benikafobe coming in, having a pretty okay start, scoring two goals in the in a second game, and then just falling off a cliff um, to having uh, to having Janini. You know, just keep playing better and better, and seeing the confidence in him uh, in in himself just skyrocket. With every game that he played, okay, the team kind of started to find uh, find their own on the pitch. Um, obviously, we still have, you know, our, our midfield is still not the best. Um, I think there is still a lot of a lot of players to add. Uh, Lewis Baker was, I'm not his biggest fan, you know. He 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 never really convinced me that he was a good player. Uh, he did have like two 
he had two goals all season and both of them were free kicks. He is a good free kick taker, but that's it. You know, we signed players like Jonas Malle. I think that Malle has a lot of potential still. I think that when he could, when he when he did play, he did well. But you have to consider a player of his uh, of his quality that hasn't played for so long. Um, you know, when he came over from Wolfsburg, it is it is kind of you know hoping that everything works out and. We we see year in year out. We see that it doesn't really always work out. Um, sports isn't a Hollywood story, you know. That more more than more than it does work out, it doesn't, you know. So, I think for next year, I think that um, we do have potential. We we still need a, a killer striker. Um, everybody is currently talking about Serlot because uh, you know news broke out that uh, <laughs> everyone that and their mother want him gone. <laughs> so every team, you know, I have heard yeah, him yeah. being linked to all these Istanbul teams. And um, as far as I know, Trabzonspor still has first option on him when he comes back, when he comes back to Turkey. But I don't know if that's if that is um, you know applicable to a loan or if it's only a buy option yeah i don't think anyone in turkey is gonna buy uh, him i mean how yeah, much did I... you guys end up selling him for 20 i mean yeah, obviously 20 split million the money, and but... then split split yeah. both ways so yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we made like 10 million of yeah. him but you know uh, there are there are a couple names we have signed Gervinho. Mm-hmm. i still right. don't why you know the guy turns 20 the guy turns 35 in like two weeks yeah but you know he could he could be a player that mm. um you know that that is just a, a step too big it, compared to Turkey. You know, it's fine to have like one or two players. Like two is already, I think, pushing it. But like, it's fine to have a guy like that on your team. Just don't have four, five, six, like yeah. like Fener do. You know, and I mean, he could turn out to be the next Maxilino and be a complete flop, but he could also still have a good season. Like he's definitely a talented footballer. I mean, currently, I'm I'm more worried about you know the financial side than than I'm than yeah, I yeah. am of his uh, you know of his of, of yeah. his performance on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, reported, um, the, it is reported that he will earn around 1.5 million and like 500k in bonus. But then I heard about that he will earn like two million straight, and it's kind of you know yeah, that's ridiculous, nerve-wracking because mm. uh, you 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 tend to go back to the old ways that Trabzonspor was managed and that's just throwing money at the problem and then just, you know, ignoring the bigger problem, the financial side, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that uh, our defending, I'm still I'm, I'm still going to uh, to stick with that opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that Trabzonspor still has the best defending duo in the league um, and it has been such a, such a you know, breath, breath of fresh air after a long while, after having... Um, you know, such horrible defense to see uh, Edgar and, and Hugo, you know, play so well together and not make, you know, dumb, dumb mistakes every time. And, you know, we, 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 we need like a good striker. Uh, Tronson is back, but uh, the, the question is how, you, how will he, you know, adapt to, to Trabzonspor after such a big injury? Um, Flavio is probably going to leave. Uh, I don't, he hasn't featured a lot in Abdullah's, uh, you know, uh, squads. Abdulkader Parmak has had a big, uh, big issue with uh, with Avja where he didn't uh, want to play um, when he was subbed in, so he might go. You know, Trabzonspor does need like five, six players, but the question is how 
you know how how good will they be? Even even you know our best player of of the last couple of years, Vakayeme, his he had a he had a bit of an off season this year, and he still had like seven goals and seven seven assists. But we need him to to, to perform better. You know, he's, he he has started to slow down. I think it's off off season. He says he single handedly beat us at Vodafone Park. Like that was all Nwakaeme. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is. He is. He is still. He is still unbelievably dangerous. But right. you can, if you, if you if you really do watch him play, you can see a little bit of a drop off. But it mm. can be attributed well, to he must not be, having a proper striker. How old is he now? Like thirty one. He's thirty two. Thirty two. Yeah, we'll see. That's when it starts. You know, for some people. I mean, and you can be Atiba Hutchinson and be fifty six years old and still be amazing. Yeah. But uh, you know, um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. But I mean, Trabzonspor do have an exciting team if you look at it. Like I, I really like. I was interviewed yesterday for Euro two twenty two thousand twenty, and they asked me like, who's gonna be the big discovery coming out of the Turkish national team? And I said, Uğurcan Çakır is gonna be the big discovery. He's gonna be the the player from Turkey because everyone, you know, if you look at Turkish national team, like almost everyone plays in the top five league already, like from the starting eleven. You know, and people already know Ozan Tufan. Like he's not—he's not playing in a top five league, but pe- he's known already. But Urjan, I think, is going to be the big discovery, and I, I fully expect that he's going to leave this summer and and make a big move um, to make probably league. On. <laughs> but I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, Owl already said that Urjan's out the door. You know, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy. He should, about he it. should as well, right? He's it's <clears throat> a perfect age. He's 25 years old. Yep. This is the perfect age for him to go. Like and then, uh, for example, like um, Nice uh, want Ersin, but for me, if I was Ersin, I'd stick around one, maybe two more years. Like I think twenty is you can go, sure, um, but like there's a difference between Zeki Celik or even Yusuf, with all with all the respect, Yusuf Yazidje going to to Lille, um, and being the goalkeeper from a team that just won the title and going to the champ- having the possibility to go to the Champions League next season. You know, there's a difference there. I think if I was Ersin for my... Like, not just as a business fan, if I was, as Ersin, I would just stay one more year at least um, before. Because I think you need to be established a little bit at least if you're going to make that move abroad, especially as a goalkeeper. Like, as, as, a, as an outfield player, it's easier... To get opportunities, but as a goalkeeper, it's a lot harder to get opportunities. And I think if you come in there with a title under your belt, a Champions League campaign under your belt, then it's going to be a lot easier for you to, uh, also for your confidence in yourself and all that, to just you know grab those gloves and and be the the, the goalkeeper for the next couple of years. But I think like even if I was Altai, like I probably would stay another year as well in, in Turkey before making a move. But uh, Ujan, I think he stayed the perfect amount of time, maybe even a year too long. Um, he he needs to, to go. And I think Trabzon can make a big amount of money on him, uh, especially who has a good Euros. And yeah, uh, but you have a guy in the pipeline already. You have the successor ready already. So that's yeah, we have like three keepers. <laughs> yeah, you have you have good goalkeepers ready, um, and you have a good defensive. Uh, backline. I think you just need a good right back or something like that. Um, and and we, which we got, we got Bruno Cesar from uh, from Aceroma. Oh, Bruno Perez, right? Bruno Perez. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He's so also he... thirty-two years old. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
So, um, you have a good skeleton of the team. Like, you have Nakaeme, you have... Um, I always forget his name. Ekuban. Ekuban. You have Pagasetas. You have Janini, uh, Janini, who, who's actually not a bad striker at all. He's just, I really like him. Yeah, he's just not clinical in yeah, front of the goal, but he does a goals. lot. Yeah, exactly. He's one of those players that makes the players around him better. Like yeah. he doesn't score the goals, but if you have someone else, like he doesn't need to score goals if you have other players that score enough. And that's, I think. You know, a little, little bit the issue at the moment. Like, Ekuban isn't a real goal scorer. Nwakayem is a go- scores goals easily. Bakaseta scores goals easily. I think if you have someone, a third player to go around Janini that scores easily, then you're probably set up. Like, if you would have, like, a Genghis Under type or something, you know? Yeah. Um, but, look, Trabzonspor have a very good skeleton of a team and they could definitely have a good season next season and with, with Abdullah I actually would expect them to have a good season you know a stable season at least and improve on this season so yeah um, I hope so I hope so we, we do need like um, a couple a couple of defenders um, you know with Hussein Tur- Turkmen being a being a suicide bomb you know he's always he's always tricky and um, with Hosseini leaving, which I'm still mad about, but I can fully understand because there is almost no way he could play um, with 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 Hugo and uh, with Hugo and uh, Edgar doing so well. Yeah. But um, you know there are talks about Stephen Corker, but I don't believe it to be honest. He, he will probably uh, want a lot of money, and um, I think the bigger story is currently how big, how how good uh, Abdul Kader Umar will be. And um, mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. Abdul Kader Emir, we can also talk a little bit about uh, the national team and the, the preliminary squad that was chosen. And yeah. um, I had I had quite a quite a little bit of uh, of thoughts about uh, a couple of players that are being chosen. But uh, how do you guys feel? Uh, Umut, go ahead. You uh, give your thoughts about what. He was not listening. The, prelimi- the preliminary squad of the national team. Oh. The Atai Kadrosu. Right now, uh, I am just, uh, uh, you know, unsure about the uh, reserve goalkeepers like Gökhan Akkan being selected. Uh, mm. But he will, bro- I, I, mean, I think he will only end up taking three goalkeepers, right? So Guk- I imagine Gökhan Akkan will drop off. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Like they're not gonna take four goalkeepers, right? Like they. Yeah, they're... but like I don't know why he uh, brought up uh, taking uh, Mark Mark Pinock, mm. whereas he didn't find any chances on the. Yeah, yeah. Come I on, agree. I agree. After he came in, even like... with Okan, he was already out of the team. Like Volkan was 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 the goalkeeper yes, mainly. Yes, uh, uh, and I know you're like uh, really. Uh, uh, sure about like Arsene Destinolo taking place in a national team, but I believe it's still early for him to take his place right now. But he's still uh, well. No, it, no, it, no. I never said that he should play. Like for me, it's no, no, you who, said like once he should be in the squad. Yeah, though. he should be in the squad. Why? Why would he not be in the squad? He's like when? When's the last time a twenty-year-old goalkeeper, nineteen-year-old, when he started the season? By the way, he only just turned twenty. When's the last time a twenty-year-old goalkeeper won the league in the Turkish in the Turkish Super League? When has it ever happened? Mm, I don't know. Never? Huh? I don't know. Like I don't know either, man. Like I, you'd have to go like 30, 40 years back or something, maybe if you're lucky. I doubt it. You find it. Like it, I don't think it's ever happened. 
maybe Rushdie did like in '96. No, no. I'm gonna search this, and you know, I'm going. To how how old uh, was Rushdie was not go was not the first goalkeeper back then. It was uh, Ip what's his name? Ipek? No. Engin um, Ipekola. Yeah, Engin. Engin was the first goalkeeper back then. So Rushdie was born in '73. So uh, he's uh, 23. 23. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, Rushdie might have been in goal already by then. Yeah, like in that uh, Trabzonspor game uh, against Hami, he saved like that Hami's free kicks. He was already in goal, and that it, it was, I think it was the same uh, season when Sergen Yalçın scored against him. That yeah, free with kick. the free kick, yeah, yeah, 19... yeah, like he he was on the team as a first keeper, but yeah, he like I said, he was twenty three uh, at the time, not yeah, yeah. nineteen. Yeah, no, like that's a, that's a big difference, though. There's a big difference between being nineteen, twenty years old, or twenty three, twenty four. Like, there's a massive difference as a goalkeeper, as, yeah. as, as any player really, but like. But it's a rare occasion, but I still believe that he has to take his time, like not to be rushed, and he, he still has to No, play but that's why that. you that's why you take him with you so he can have the experience of being there for a month in a he, big he tournament. Ha he has the he, he he should have has the experience, but uh, at the same time he has to have that gain that match experience with the with his team. Like so he has to uh, has to be in that U uh, nineteen team. Yeah, under that's not that's years. that's nowhere near the same thing though. Like it's... under twenty one. Yeah, but you could say the same. Why then? Why is Ridwan not going there? Because the team needs a, a left back right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me. But but uh, national team doesn't need a goalkeeper right now because Urjan and no, it, it, obviously no, no, You have two goalkeepers that are ahead of him in the pecking order, and I 100% understand that. But for me, he should have been there. Like Mert, I I know why Mert is there. I am not surprised one bit. I fully expected him to call up Mert because. Cheryl Gunesh always shows loyalty to players that did something for him in the past. And another uh, thing I would uh, consider is that we should have uh, another number nine as a forward apart from Brad Kilmaz, and we don't have one, and Mohamed Demir wasn't even considered. So uh, I'm just uh, curious about that case, and Adam Buick wasn't mentioned as well. So... Uh, yeah, but Adam Buick is, is 34 or something now. But he had a brilliant season uh, and he even changed <sighs> his... Look at how many penalties he scored. No, I'm not uh, talking about how many goals he scored. Uh, he played a brilliant season. Like in the team, he was a leader and he was the main man uh, on the yeah, field. Ma Malatya did not have a, a particularly good season. Like they... Pff, they were, you know, they had a they had a great season, like and 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 the only reason I I would say you have a point is because Jenk is injured, but also uh, uh, I don't think Enesunal is uh, anywhere near Brock's quality. No, no, no. Uh, no of course, like so nobody Mohamed is. Demir should have been considered uh, on this goal, uh, and we don't have anyone uh, to be fair. There's... And Halil Darvishol is not that uh, number nine, like. He's like a player uh, plays uh, back of the number nine, like Roberto Firmino or like Dennis Bergkamp kind mm -hmm. of player. But it's uh, it's just that just goes to show you that how like that's the biggest problem for problem area for Turkey going forward. Like Burak is almost thirty six. Like mm -hmm. 
He will they, be third season the competition. Yeah, exactly. So they don't ha- like Turkey doesn't have anyone in the pipeline that's gonna be like for 2022 and 2024 going forward. Like Turkey doesn't have anyone in the pipeline striker wise, yeah, except yeah, for any yeah. any uh, from uh, from. Um, From 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 Altinordo, he could possibly be, but he's 19 or 18 years old right now, and he's and he's Destan. Ah, and he's Destan. Uh, also, we could have uh, taken uh, who was that? Uh, something Dursun from Bundesliga. Ah, yeah, Serdar Dursun from yeah. the second Bundesliga. Yeah, he scored yeah. like 30 goals or 28 goals or something. Yeah, uh, I mean, we could have. Yeah, we, I suppose. Can Olgunesh uh, wash them or like mm. he probably washed them, but I don't. The thing is, with someone like that, you really want to try him out in a couple of friendlies first, I would imagine. Um, I guess. Uh, I, I mean, that's a misopportunity. You would think that Kenan Karaman would be eligible for that role. Even though I uh. don't think he's a uh, like number nine. Like He, he, yeah, he yeah. is almost like a Larin. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing with Kenan Karaman is that he he's proven himself at the national team already. Yeah, and he yeah. he with Kenan Karaman they know that he can handle that level, so to speak. Like I'm not a big fan of him. Um, like I mean, if Bester sell Cal Laren tomorrow, I think he would be a great replacement because he's Turkish and he's a very similar type. And I I'm, I don't rate Laren all that high as a as a as a you know pure talent wise. Um, and then I think Kenan is the same. Like, he's not the most talented player, but he has uh, Hurst commitments. You know, like he he's fighting spirit. He has that, and and that's something valuable as well. Like Oljai had that at Besiktas when Chanel was the coach as well. Like, and I think Chanel does like having a, a player like that, an inside forward. He likes to play with that type of player. So, I, I completely understand that he went with Kenan. But then, yeah, like a guy like Serdar could have been like a Burak alternative potentially but I mean I've never seen him play I can't really talk about it um, and I'm sure Chanel or one of his assistants went to watch him but uh, yeah it's maybe a little difficult to introduce this guy but at the same time he scored 28 goals he should be in incontournable yeah I mean especially with Jeng being out uh, any other thoughts on the national team call-ups what, what do you think of the omission of, of Janner for example Me. Yeah, you and, and Jakub, both of you. What, what do you guys think of that? That the fact that Jan Erkin did not get call, called up because that's something that uh, Fenerbahce fans in particular were upset about. Well, uh, seeing him uh, having that toxic personality, uh, I believe it was a good decision for him to be absent from the squad because, like, uh, I don't believe he's a good example for the younger lads to be taking the you know uh, the example of. Like, he's not that guy to be seen not to be like taken as an idol or uh, as a characteristic or I don't know his play style as well uh, is uh, like has been in a decline and I don't know a Turkish uh, national team uh, left back has to be like uh, more dynamic and more uh, creative uh, and Janer Uh, is really behind from uh, his prime right now uh, and I don't know like he can't handle uh, like uh, tough op- uh, opponents uh, coming from his flank and I don't know he will be like mm, you know volunteering to chase down every single pacey winger uh, like uh, running behind of him overlapping wingers uh, so yeah 
I do, you, do you think that his a, performance against Latvia had something to do with Shenon Ganesh's decision to not call him up for the, the Euros? No, no, no. He, he played good because he he was uh, subbed in, he, he was getting subbed in as a you know a left winger instead of a left back uh, many of the times uh, in the la uh, last games we have seen him like he he was just like a brought brought into like uh, more creative manner to do upper field of the game instead of like a defensive manner how he plays in uh, Fenerbahce uh, so I believe it's a uh, on point decision from Chanel Ganesh because uh, I don't believe Jenner has the defensive uh, ability to uh, deal with the pacey wingers, uh, dynamic wingers of the opponents he will face in this tournament and what about you, Jakub? Are you do you stand behind the decision not to take him? Would you have taken him but not played him? What do you think? I mean, I was quite surprised. I I, I actually um, expected him to to choose Janer, but um, not you know I I don't think you know I don't think not choosing him because of his personality is a thing um, because the the team is filled with you know grown up dudes, so I don't think like one. Um, you know, one 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 psycho guy is going to going to ruin it. But I think that even though I I kind of hate watching him play, and I think that his currently his 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 negatives are more than his positives. I think that you know his crossing ability and 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 all the you know all the all the assists he got this year maybe have you know maybe could have been um, helpful in 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 the Euros for 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 some games. But when I look at the defense, I honestly don't know who he should go instead of. Maybe, you know, Radwan because he's so young, but, you know, Radwan deserves it so much that I don't think that you can cut anyone that's 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 in our defense um, because of the lack of, you know, lack of uh, lack of ability. So I think that that's OK. The, the, the biggest the biggest shock I had was that he. That he pulled up uh, Mahmoud Tekdemir, who I don't get, and he didn't choose for yeah. Berat. Yeah. That's like I don't get it, and that's not me going for Berat because he's he's playing at Trabzonspor. He just, you know, did so well this year, and he honestly does deserve it. Yeah, and, and Mahmoud Mahmoud has declined significantly in the last yeah. couple of years. Like, and also, and also, uh, I believe it was a bad decision to take Thailand and Tali on. Uh, on his recent performances because he's been a decline recently. So I believe it would be better to take Sali Uchan to Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, but those are yeah, yeah. But I mean Sali is, is, is even more offensive and I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you could you yeah. could have taken him uh, instead of Dorukan as well. Yeah but the thing with Dorukan is Channel Gunesh has like that—that's that's one of his boys, and you know how yeah. Shenogunesh yeah. is. And that's, go for him. that's why I was always also surprised he didn't call Janner because he he loved Janner at Besiktas. Um, but Janner Dorukan, like at first I was like, why did he call him up? He doesn't even play for Besiktas right now. But then he is so versatile, though. Like you can, if if your left back or, or if your right back is injured, if you're both like God forbid, like you know, all our right backs are out injured, you can put Dorukan there and he will put in a great game. Like, like when Besiktas missed Rosier, one match for suspension, um, Sergen put Dorokhan there, and you didn't even notice Rosier was gone. And that's saying something. You know, you can't just slot someone in and, like, 
he's a re he's a really good utility player. In fact, I personally I prefer Dorokan at right back than I do in central midfield. But Dorokan, when he's played for the national team, he's always felt like it's kind of like Ozan before this this season because Ozan at Fenerbahce before this season was kind of a flop. But Ozan for the national team is always good, and I kind of have the same feeling with Dorokan that. Dorokan at Bishitesh, his first season under Chanel, he was good, but like after that, after his injury, I, I never felt that he was particularly impressive. Like, especially when he was playing in central midfield, I always thought he was underwhelming. But then when you would see him play for Turkey, he, 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 like, he, he in the Euro qualifiers, he had, a, he had a, like two assists in a game on, on, on Jink or something, and like he played fantastic. And I get why he called him up. First and foremost, it's his boy, and second, he he is a utility player, and you need those types of players in your squad. Just if something happens. And talking about utility, I would just uh, object to Halilak Budar's uh, decision as well. I love him as a Gustav boy. He's an Izmirli, mm. yeah. real Gustav player, and I love his uh, you know uh, thing at Gustav. But I don't believe he's uh, Militakum level, uh, national team level. Yeah, but we don't have a lot yeah, of wingers though. You, yeah, you could have you could have taken uh, Denis Turish, that player, like who is an mm. utility player, also yeah. a great set piece taker. Yeah, but he's not gonna take set pieces at the national team. Let's be honest. Like you can say that, but it's not, it's not, it's not. There's no, it's not a plus for him because he's not gonna get to take them anyway. So like you have even corners. You have Hakan Chalonol is gonna be taking them, and if he's not taking them, Yusuf could be taking them, and like you have other players that's gonna take them before, and there's a pecking order. Like, if, yeah, Burak, Halilak, if Burak Halilak. really goes for a free kick, I'm I'm probably going to punch my screen. And then he and scores I, I, it. I like him. And he will but... score. And he will score. Yeah. And he'll be like, oh my god, I can't believe he scored. Yeah, fucking hell. I'm already uh, seeing the it. The thing with Halilak Buner is uh, it's more like a counter-attacker. Like, yeah, but like, yes, not but, a big team player. But we could we could use that against, for example, the opening match day against Italy. Like, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll need, we'll need someone like Halilak Buner. Like, I don't oppose to that. Like, if you look at his stats as well this season, I think he has, like, nine and goals also, and 13 assists or something. And also about Denis Turic also can is capable of playing as a left back uh, in the, uh, like, tight situations when you need a great crosser from behind. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Denis Turic. I'm a big fan, and I, I agree if you want to go with the utility guys, but I don't agree with picking him over Halil. I think Halil deserved this call-up. I mean, you can make... I mean, I don't know if he's not Militakum level because I could see him go to Trabzonspor or Galatasaray next season and have a really good season. Like, uh, if Emre Kilinc can, why can't Halil Agbunar? Like, Halil has been as consistent uh, at that level as Emre Halil was is consistent, prior. but I don't think Halil is uh, a great creator, creative player uh, in tight situations. Like, he's... Mm. More of a like a you know yeah, yeah. endurance player like yeah but Turkey uh, aren't going to be the dominating side uh, if they get out of the groups like they're not gonna necessarily yeah, be the team like, that has yeah, the ball in this case like what I'm uh, trying to say is uh, like compare uh, Halil Akmanar with Cengiz Undar and how Cengiz Undar is capable of yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. like uh, with his passing ability vision and his great long shot ability like is uh, a real yeah, threat but but Halil, Halil also Akmanar has that huh? he also has a good long shot. No, no. Halil, he, yeah, well, Halil has a good he, shot. No, he just takes it occasionally and like he he delivers it uh, in occasion, not 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 the consistent long shot take like Cengiz Undar. Right. Well, um, 
we spoke a lot about the national team now, and there's still a lot to talk about. We're going to have to do that in a second episode, though, like because we've been going for quite a while already. And there's still a lot to talk about. Uh, for example, uh, the relegation and the promotion. But the promotion... We didn't talk it, about Galatasaray yet. No, but we, we, will, we, will, we still have plenty to talk about. And we uh, and Jakub has to go, actually. So we'll, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll stop here. But we'll do a second episode. We'll record it somewhere this week. And tomorrow, actually, the finals of the playoff promotional... Pl- not the finals, but like the semifinals of the promotional playoffs are being played. So some we support... We have to talk about Mustafa Dinsley. Yeah, yeah. So Samsung Sport are actually taking on Altinordo. Altinordo won the first match, and Samsung Sport actually missed a penalty and added time. Uh, mm-hmm. Altinordo won 1 0. And then Altai uh, beat Istanbul Sport 3 2 in the first match. So tomorrow, those are the returns on Saturday. The returns for those are on. And then, of course, next week, we'll get the, the final between either. Uh, any of these four teams against each other, and that will decide the final promotional uh, promotion. Of course, Adana Demirspor and, and Giresun uh, promoted already to the Turkish League, but to the Turkish Super League. But we'll we'll do a second episode and we'll go in depth about who relegated, who promoted. We'll talk about all that. We'll talk. We'll still recap Galatasaray season, uh, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about Besiktas and uh, especially we'll shit some more on Fenerbahce but and, we'll have to keep it for next and, week and, and, and people don't don't forget to follow up Burak Yilmaz's championship run yeah. on Sunday yeah 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 Lille if they win away against Angers they will be the Ligue 1 champion uh, and then we will have three champions uh, more in the national team and hopefully it will give them a boost for the for for the euros and well you know what we'll we'll talk about all that the relegation and all that and of course we'll recap whether Lille managed to pull it off or not and we'll also talk a little and bit more Charles about the euros win. <laughs> yeah there's so much to talk about <laughs> write it all down uh, okay that'll do for this episode we'll do a second episode part 2 of the recap and that'll be next week but thank you very much for listening to this episode of Football of Turka and uh, we'll be back next week I promise this time I promise we'll be next with a second episode uh, back with a second episode next week uh, Jakub thank you very much and sorry for keeping you this long nah thank you for having me it was really fun to, to do this again it has been a while yeah it's been way too long and Uma thank you very much too man and uh, see you next week See you. Yeah, and see you next week, hopefully for the second part of uh, the season recap. Bye-bye. Bye.